I think that that three cc shot takes a lot longer to break down than a one and a half cc shot. You know well, what I mean? Well, I would never do that. So I would do more than one shot on that day, but I would never do a single shot. I would never do a single shot more than a mil and a half. Oh, really? No, but okay. I'd do two shots on that day. So I'd, if I I'd was do doing, if too. I had three mil, if I had three mil of oil to get in, I'd put one and a half on one side, one and a half on the other side. Hey, what's up, guys? Today, Dave and I talk all about microdosing. Is it something that would benefit you in your next cycle? And after that, we tackle your listener questions. If you have any questions to ask for the show, then comment below. We'll be sure to tackle your questions then. Plus, comments and likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost our programming in the algorithm. You guys are freaking awesome at that. Thank you for all that you do to help. This week, we've got a guy who's running a 16-week VAR cycle. What do we think about that, and when should he get labs? Is it worth adding just 100 Primo per week if you're poor but you want to try it anyway? DHB on a cut, test gels versus shots, setting up a PCT and HCG protocols, and we talk a little bit about photobiomodulation. It's a new therapy that I'm getting into. I'll keep you guys posted, and we got a bunch more. There's timestamps below for all this stuff, and if you guys want to skip around, you're welcome to. If you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Tons of education and entertainment from IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love. Hopefully, make the best progress you can and stay safe in the process. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you. <coughs> By you, the people of Patreon. Thank you guys very much for supporting the show. We're also brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. You can go over there, get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the UK. Uh, we are brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition as well in the UK. Supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. And last but not least, our title sponsor, truenutrition.com. Go over there, use our code THINK and uh, get some good savings plus support the show. David, we've got a topic mm -hmm. today. We've got listener questions today. Um, and uh, I want to ask you about the recovery of your leg. I'll do that a little bit later. Uh, but the topic, microdosing, who should do it? When should you do microdosing? I actually had a client who messaged me the other day. We've worked together on and off for a long time. And we've worked together for maybe a year now. And we're getting ready to uh, do another push here. And he said, hey, uh, What's microdosing, and should I be doing that on the next cycle? I tell him no. He doesn't need to. And I genuinely don't think he needs to. Um, first of all... Hey, well, you need to explain what it is. Well, microdosing would be, say you have uh, whatever you're running, 500 milligrams of test per week, or 300 test, 300 mass, whatever you want to do, a gram. You uh, split that up into smaller everyday shots instead of doing you know two shots a week or three shots a week or one shot a week you know the idea is that people want to keep their hormones stable now i'm going to tell you what man <clears throat> i know this is something that's become more popular now and in back in the day it's, i it's some of this spilled over from the trt world i don't think microdosing has any place in the cycle well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I discovered it on my own uh, years back. So I, I was prone to getting back knee. And I found that I'd start breaking out and I you know, tried everything I could, antibiotics, everything else to correct it. And eventually I started thinking to myself, you know, if I miss a shot, the acne gets worse. So and then I started thinking, well, it's I think the instability of the hormone. And so I started if it was a compound that needed to be done every, or excuse me, twice a week, I went to every other day. And if it was a compound that was supposed to be done like every other day, like a probe, I went to every day. And guess what? I never had acne issues with it from there forward. Later on, I was less prone to acne, I feel, and I didn't have to do that. But, but I did find that to be a really successful way to avoid getting what were really terrible breakouts. So for me, at a time... It was fantastic. And at the time, like I didn't know a single person who had talked about this at all. This would have been like 2009-ish, somewhere in there, maybe 2011 at the latest. Um, but now we have people like my client who 
uh, he's, you know, fairly, everything works out for him fairly well. We haven't had any major issues and, and something inside of him, probably through watching videos and stuff, you know, he hears the idea of microdosing and it sounds like, well, this is something I'm not doing. There must be some sort of advantage in this. Can you explain that to me? Uh, and should I be doing it? There's, so in part, you can't microdose on a cycle because you're not taking a microdose. Even if you were on a grammar test, you're taking 150 milligrams a day. That is not a microdose. True. A microdose is 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams. So by yeah. definition, it doesn't carry over. I, I, there is something to be said. There is something to be said for stabilizing hormones to an extent. Now, with your acne situation, the problem, one of the problems is that estrogen is a little bit slower to boost respond. So it's not that sensitive in the way it goes up and down. Where test is quite fluid. So you take a shot, 24, 36 hours it's peaked, and then it drops off quite sharply in the initial couple of days, but then it evens out to its half-life and, and creates its curve. Estrogen will then start to rise at the back of that, and it's somewhere week to two weeks behind. So when you miss a shot and your test starts to drop a little bit too low, your estrogen isn't following it. Your estrogen's staying up there. Yeah. Because it's in lag. So then we get this disparity between estrogen levels and testosterone levels, and that's what triggers the acne. So there is something to do with keeping reasonably stable levels to an extent because you don't want these differentials to get too high. Yeah. But the problem is if you get it too stable, you can increase the clearance of the compound. Because one of the things that this is why European work, not UK strangely, but the rest of Europe works on terminal half-lives which are quite literally nigh on half of the regular half-life. So test anthene in terminal half-life is 4.5. Okay. 5.5, please. I can never remember. 5.5 days, whereas it's 10.5 in regular. Uh, and you can trigger an increase in the clearance of the hormone. So when you keep things super, super stable, things can uh, start to leave the system a little bit faster. Your body starts to operate the clearance because everything is bang level. So I, I don't – there is a point as well when you start doing big doses when you, you have to inject every day because it's the only way you're getting the oil in. Yeah, yeah. You know, but <clears throat> microdosing for TRT with a fast-acting compound is going to be as close as you're going to get to mimicking natural hmm. because we have this natural peak and trough every day. When we go into cycles, it is a bit more of a trade-off. Uh, I'm – I, I – don't like the term microdosing, and I'm being pedantic about that, and I know I am because, quite literally, you are not microdosing. You're just frequently injecting. You're taking a microdose of your total. It, it Compared to your total, it's it's small, you know? If you're taking yeah. a gram, and then you take, you know, whatever, 110 yeah, but, or whatever, 120. My, micro is short for microscopic. We, we can't argue 150 milligrams of a gram is microscopic. It, I would say it that. is a small fraction of the total, though. <laughs> We'll so if you want to argue, if you want yeah, to argue we'll semantics, I'll fight on back one. on that. Yeah, but no, I mean, I you know, it, you do get people that are sensitive to fluctuations, and I have seen people that do get increased size if they're only injecting twice a week, and they do need to do three. But I would err on the caution of keeping the frequency to the minimum you need it to be, rather than this whole hog every day situation I, i'm not a fan of that at all uh the other thing is and I, I, that people get very blase about it but every time you break the skin you run the risk of infection i was gonna i was gonna go into that too yeah yeah, yeah it really is i mean is, it is an intrusive thing to take an injection and if you're just taking a shot uh, now granted i would say this a great big old shot going into the quad or the glute with a crazy, you know, 22 or you, I know you use like a 10 gauge needle when you, when you did gear, but you know, a big old, a big old gauge syringe and pumping in several CCs. I think there is like, there's something a little bit more catastrophic about that than a little tiny fraction, you know, of, of a but CC. In most drugs, you're not, 
you're not well you could get away probably with 150 milligrams as through an insulin shot but in most you're still going to be using if you're 150 to 200 milligrams per shot you're probably going to be using a regular one mil two mil syringe with a regular blue needle yeah you're talking a bigger cycle then you're talking like you know i'm legit. talking a gram to 1.2 yeah. sort of levels yeah yeah, yeah. For guys um, yeah, who are doing like five hundred or something like that, five hundred. Oh no, that, that's yeah. yeah, that's much more viable. But uh, and if you're using insulin pins, the scar tissue buildup, the calcification risk buildup are much much lower. Yeah. Uh, but for someone who's done lots of shots, yeah, on a daily, as in two or three every day, the amount of calcification within the muscle buildup from that, the amount of grit I've got still in muscles, and the amount of scar tissue and calcification I've got in muscles from that level of frequent injection does become a problem if you don't keep on top of it. You need that tissue breaking down. You need that working out. Yeah, I think I there's mean, maybe it, a middle ground too, if I can yeah, say that. I, I think there'll be a balance, yeah. Because I, I, here's my thought too, is that when I've taken, say, let's let's call it a test EQ cycle, and let's say it was 750 tests and 600 EQ, uh, it's a good amount of oil that you're putting in, and if you were to put that all into one, all into one shot twice a week, the amount of volume, like let let's say you did a three cc shot twice a week, I think that that three cc shot takes a lot longer to break down than a one and a half cc shot. You know, well, what I, mean? I would never do that. So I would do more than one shot on that day, but I would never do a single shot. I would never do a single shot more than a mil and a half. Oh really? No, but okay. I'd do two shots on that day. So I'd, if I I'd was do doing, if too. I had three mil, if I had three mil of oil to get in, I'd put one and a half on one side, one and a half on the other side. Yeah, Dave. But every time you do a shot, you have to break the skin, and you realize that you're. Oh yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm saying yeah. There's like you say. The problem I think with this industry is that we have this with Primo, don't we? Our oh, Primo's mild, right? I'll take two gram of it. Yeah, yeah. No, that you're starting to sort of defeat the object here now. And it's the same with everything. If if there is something that shows some benefit, then everybody does it, but everybody does does it to the fucking extreme. And it's the the answer's in the middle. It's much more balanced than that. You know, you need to break your shots up so that your oil injection volume is tolerable for your body. Yep. Yes, you want to minimize the risk of infection, so you have that to calculate against every shot you do. And then you balance that with how you respond to the doses going in at the frequency you use. But to just go, I want a microdose because some skinny pencil neck prick on fucking social media said it's what everybody whoa, has to whoa, do. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, Scott said it on social media. That's everything everybody has to do. <laughs> But you know, though, I mean, come on. I mean, some of the crap that um, someone sent me a video this this morning. Some bloke saying you have to run HCG if you run TRT. You you'll get low DHEA, you'll get low progesterone, you'll get this, you'll get that. I'm six years in, eight years into TRT. My DHEA and my progesterone are perfectly fine. I've never used HCG once. Yeah, but I mean, it's something you want to be aware of. You know, and, and I think all this stuff and that and that's what I think my goal was with this topic was let's just present some different ideas here so mm. that people could better understand it. And they could answer that question for themselves. You know, am I a person who should be doing microdosing? Yeah, could it, it benefit me or is it really just a waste of my time and creating more complications? The same thing it, goes with orals, too. You know, uh, I think a lot of people want to take uh, D-ball all at once, you know pre-workout and i think that's fantastic i found that sometimes that would work for me sometimes i would end up getting acne but i would be a lot better or sensitivity uh and i would be better suited to split it up you know and then if i could keep that a little bit more stable it allowed me to then take as much as i wanted without having to reduce the dose and still get the benefit of the d-ball you know and, and, and is it ideal would it be great to have all that D-ball rushing in pre-workout? Sure. But did it always work for me in the real world? No. Did it really matter? Probably not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, like you said, the problem is you watch something or you hear someone of doing something. It might be someone who's a very successful, very respected bodybuilder, and you wholesale then adopt that approach instead of going, is this the right tool for me? Do I need this to do this job yeah is this what i'm trying to achieve you know 
if you are a out and out mass monster that just wants bulk, then your drug compound choice is going to be different to somebody who's trying to build a balanced, aesthetic, lean, off season, very camera friendly physique throughout the year. You know, and all these things factor in, but we, we just blindly follow the next person, or, or the, and it's like, take the information, digest it, understand it, and then see if it applies to your circumstances. And if it doesn't, great. Doesn't mean the information's wrong, just mean it's not for you. Right. All right, let's get on to our listener questions. We had some great listener questions, some great comments. If you guys have any questions that you want to uh, have on the show, then just comment here on YouTube, and we'd be happy to take them on the next episode. Here's a great little comment for us. Uh, great video to watch while popping some pre-workout Halo. Dude's got a back on him, too. What about that? Mm-hmm. You like that, Dave? Pre-workout Halo? You know what? It's a drug I've only probably ever taken once, two, three times ever. Yeah, it's yeah. It... I've got never, some Halo never stories. Actually, never actually used it as a as a compound, as in properly, you know, considered it in a cycle. Yeah, I've got some Halo stories. It's, it's limited application, you know. Um, <laughs> Chris Walls from Patreon says, "Hi, Scott." Um, I asked him a bunch of follow-up questions, which I'll explain here. He says, um, I'm in the last three weeks of a 16-week test and anivar cycle, 500 test uh, and 350 anivar per week. Uh, I want to get that uh, bodybuilding blood panel that you suggested from Private MD Labs. Um, should I get the blood work done before the cycle ends or should I wait until a few weeks after? My gut tells me to test while I'm on to see, quote, how bad it is or how good it is. But I'm not sure that that's the right mindset. At this time, this is my first cycle and I'm still in the learning phase. Thanks for everything and appreciate the work you guys do. So for a little bit more information, this is his first cycle, as he said. He ran, he, he basically got on test and started like a, a high-end TRT. I think he said 200 milligrams, which isn't crazy high per week. Uh, and he did that for four months, did like a whole recomp on it. And now he plans to continue on that dosing after he gets off. Uh, so testing is a picture of where you are at that point. It's always relevant but it always also depends on what you want to know. So from my point of view, particularly if it's his first cycle and particularly coming from what could be deemed a higher end cruise, I would test in cycle because I want to see where I am uh, and I want to see what I'm exposing myself to at this point in a cycle when I'm at the peak. And then if budget allows, I would test probably six weeks post-cycle. One, so I can see that levels have returned back to a normal TRT range. And two, so I can see the after effects of the cycle and there's anything I need to work on moving forward before I consider cycling again. Um, so there is no particular right or wrong time to test, really. It's just it's relevant to the information and what you're doing at that point. If you tested the day you went on stage, there'd be a lot of very abhorrent results. But that could be useful information if you're finding on stage day you're feeling like absolute dog crap and you're struggling to get through a posing routine. So you can have a look and see, right, what element here can I rectify without causing problems with what I'm doing water and everything else-wise? Yeah. So so it is relevant to, to where you are, but as a parkour the way I generally look at testing is pre-cycle to make sure we have nothing lurking that we don't want to deal with, you know, that we can deal with before going on cycle or anything that would potentially stop us using a cycle. About week five, I'd always run an estrogen test and prolactin or a combination of one of those compounds just so that, one, I know the gear is good and, two, I know where my management is. And then, depending on how the client feel, felt, should I say, and how extreme we were going would depend on whether I required any more testing in the cycle or I'd wait until the dust had settled post-cycle and then start to address any issues that have arisen. Um, 
a lot of things you can offset going into a cycle. You know if you're using Primo, you need extra HDL support. We know it's going to hammer it. We know if we're using wet compounds for one of a better terminology, we're going to have to keep a better eye on estrogen. You know, so there's certain things that you know and you can look for. So you don't necessarily have to do a full panel every time. You can just pick the points that you know are weak areas or problem, potentially problem areas for you, depending on what you're doing. So are you doing a test in EQ? You know where your eastern sits. You've done tests a million times before. First time using EQ. Right, let's just get an FBC at six, seven weeks and see where we are. And then we can see if there's any blood thickening issue from the, the EQ because we've never used it before. We don't know how we're going to react to it. But we know how we react to tests. We know where his eastern is going to be because we've been there a million times. So we probably don't need an eastern test in that scenario. So it's, it's relative to where you are. But uh, there's no harm at either point. But with it being his first and coming off the back of the TV, T, the, the TRT, I, I would consider testing now. Yeah. And if I, I wanted to just comment on the current cycle, too. 16 weeks of Anivar for 50 milligrams. I wouldn't suggest that usually. Um, in fact, I think the, the longer I've done this, meaning coaching now, because I don't really run gear like I used to, but the, the longer I've been in the game, the less I've used orals. And I would relegate Anivar to be like eight weeks at the absolute max. So for me, I would probably, considering that he was at, like if I were to redo this cycle and he's on that 200 and he's like, I want to go on cycle. And then he went up to five, I think, go up to 500. You're going to feel good instantly. Like you're going to start getting stronger within the next week or two. You're going to feel the difference and you're going to keep riding that up. And if I wanted to do more then maybe that last six weeks, then I'd throw that Anivar in for that little mm -hmm. additional boost, you know, just to keep, keep kind of keep adding, you know what I'm saying? I, I'd rather do that than run the Anivar at the start. You preach brother. <laughs> all right we got a bunch of other stuff here let's see what else we got um now here's two words that don't go together dave anivar or excuse me prima bowling and budget we got a question here <laughs> i'm on a budget but i want to try primo is it worth adding one amp of bare primo to 375 milligrams of test or am i better off just increasing the test to around 500 assuming here that his goal is to gain as much muscle as possible Milligram for milligram, I'd go test. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Primo, if if it's a very sophisticated drug, it's it's quite a complex drug from the point of view of pharmacology. Um, it it has that nice anti-estrogen effect, which could potentially offset the use of any AI. So there is that consideration as well. And it's not going to bring nothing to the table. But if you're milligram for milligram low dose, I, I would personally, I'd go test. How about this? So what I've found is something like a master on an F8 is price-wise going to be pretty similar to Primo, if not a little bit less. And in general, mm -hmm. your Primo is going to be 100 milligrams. Your mast E is going to be 200. What about instead of the 100 primo the 200 mast i i would much much i'm i'm not against primo though i know it comes across a bit that way particularly on the one we did about useless cycles and all that shit oh yeah yeah um but I, like you said if you're looking for growth i'd go mast over primo every day we got a comment in the live feed here dave's beard makes him look dirty it suits him quite well actually Dave, Dave's beard needs a trim, but he, he hasn't gone to the hairdressers, the barbers, because of his peg leg. Yes. Um, which, let's he, see. which I had amputated this morning. Okay. I'm going to ask you about that, too, because I, mm -hmm. I think Dave chewed his cast off because his wife didn't put one of those cones on him. I think that's what happened, but we'll get to the bottom of that one. Uh, from the live stream as well, is there any evidence on the efficacy of DHB? I also heard the toxicity doesn't outweigh the benefits. Um, would this be a good transition from EQ going into a mass phase, going from a mass phase into a cut? I don't think there's any like clinical research that we have on DHB. Mm. I can tell you though, like, is there evidence? Yeah, there's a lot of evidence if you see some dudes who've taken it. You know what I'm saying? It's a powerful drug. 
effective drug. Yeah. It's not not what I'd be leaning into for a cut, though. No? Um, no, I just... Maybe I'm wrong here. Um, but hear me out, and I'll tell you my logic behind it. Okay. It, plus, it also depends. Is this just a tidy up cut, or is this a prep? Yeah, okay. So, if this is a prep, you're going to be throwing a lot of complex compounds at your body in the way of fat burners. You're going to be eventually getting to very low body fat levels and you're going to be creating a lot of stress on your body so i would leave the exposure to very stressful drugs to a bare minimum we know trend has some very nice effects when you're very lean and it's definitely worth considering for the last three four weeks but that would be as far as i would be shouting with that one unless you were looking for a strength thing and you were a powerlifter um and I'll be very much with DHB. It's not a drug I'd be particularly popular with for pre-comp. I just don't think it's necessary. I think it's too harsh long-term. And when you're putting yourself in an environment, it's going to be very harsh anyway. And we're not looking to particularly grow. So why are we pulling big cannons out to create the backbone of a cycle? Use, I, I, I wouldn't know really how DHB would fall last three, four weeks. Never used it in that format. It'd be interesting to see if anybody has. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I sort of don't see the point. It's a good compound. Uh, I've used no, it in a cut. I used it for a contest prep. Um, okay. And, and actually, we talked about it a while ago on Blood, Sweat, and Gear. And after that conversation, um, a, a guy who coaches a couple really high-level uh, bodybuilders reached out to me. They, like these guys are, these guys are top ten Olympians, and he said mm -hmm. that they both had wanted to not use Trend because they found that it just you know they wanted to try to do something that wasn't going to be as harsh on them side effect wise, and mm -hmm. they had went with DHB. Now they found that whatever I don't know what dose they were using, but they found that they were able to keep their blood work in better order with DHB than with Trend, plus not deal with the the night sweats and all that. I found DHB to kind of, I always felt like I was super full on it. Um, and, and so part, did you use part it, of that it's going to be diet, it, right? Did you use it long-term or did you use it back-end? I, I used it for at least the last 10, if not longer weeks. I can't remember. It's okay. been a long time now. But the thing I found with DHB, and uh, Skip agreed with me on this because he had used it as well multiple times, I believe, like I had, that it takes a long time to kick in. Like you don't, you know, there's always that moment when you're in the gym and you're like, all right, man, this cycle's kicking in. This feels good. I swear, <laughs> man, I couldn't tell the difference for like six whole weeks. That was the first time I ran it at 400 milligrams. And that's not a low dose. And then I ran it at no, 600. No. I ran it at 500 or 600. And, and I thought, okay, I'm going to up the dose. This is years ago, man. This is like before, this is like 2012, uh, the first time. Maybe even 2000, yeah, 2012, I think the first time I ran it and maybe 11. And um, anyway, yeah, I uh, I found, though, that it didn't kick any faster by using more. Still waited that long period. So that way I wanted to use it for sure early on. But um, it gave me really good fullness, really good strength, like just vascularity all day long. A lot of that has to do with nutrition, too. So it's hard to really say, but it just it felt like part of that was coming from the DHB. I'd call it like a, a well, drier EQ, you know, I I stand completely corrected because I'll take real world over science any day in that format. If 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 real world experience is coming back and saying it worked really well and it really was good. No. Here's the I thing. I don't know if those. I don't know if those guys from the Olympia. I don't know if they were better than they would have been, though. That's, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it gives you the same thing. Trend does. Trend's a really unique compound, right? Uh, I mean, I I, I can does. see. It. I can see it last four six weeks. The same sort of setup as you would use Trend. Yeah, I can see that. But I would. I personally. But prior to this conversation anyway would have been not considering it for any longer okay. uh, but like i said you know i i've not used it in that format so i i'll definitely when when you or, or even if you you know it's not you personally but you spoke to people that have and that's the feedback they're giving i take that on board wholeheartedly i'll tell you after the show the, the guys are, i'm talking about um the the downside i think is that it can be a really painful shot 
And I've known people who have been literally like crippled by it, you know, and it could be a vial that seems to be fine for several shots. You're doing okay. And then you get that one bad shot and it's like two weeks off, you know, it's like, it's a mess. So I I haven't used it a lot for that reason because I like things that we can depend on. You know, I don't want to take risks. There is that element of, like you said, potential swellings and stuff like that, that the the crystal is unstable at the best of times. And if it's not being cooked slowly and long enough, crashing is a big problem. Now, obviously, we know what a crash vial is like, but you can start to get that disability without it fully crashing, which is part of what can make it a very painful shock, because what you're injecting is very small crystals in the oil. All right, we have a ton of questions still that I, on the uh, that we had from from YouTube, so I'm going to try to push through these really quick here. Geo says, "Question for uh, drugs and stuff: Is test cream slash gel applied on the shoulders or scrotum better than injections?" From a point of view of hormone delivery, no. From a point of view of how it fits in your lifestyle, potentially. If you want a microdose, gel's great for that. Yeah, gel gel's convenient. It's easy to fuck about with. You've not got issues with sharps and everything else, particularly if you're scared of needles, which a lot of people are. That should but, be on the advertisement for test gel. Easy to fuck about with. But it's um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's the the the, sim, the simple truth is that the bioavailability of a topical cream is less than that of an injection and that you can't avoid that reality yeah so um adam lamb who owns a company i think it's still called youth revisited now uh trt company out of texas former michigan guy um he okay he and i had talked i think it's youth revisited i mean that might be thinking of something else might be youth my RX. Business, one of my one of my business partners' companies called Youth Revisit. Okay, it's probably not that then. It's probably called you know Ultra Youth. <laughs> that, or, that's why I, I pricked up. I think it's probably like a, that's probably I got the name wrong. Whatever no, it no, was, it could it's, well be. I mean, it's something like that. USA. So I think it is something else. Yeah, like Youth RX or you know something like that. Uh, anyway, he had told me he was seeing the benefits of a, a gel uh, is that you you get more of that of a younger individual's testosterone levels where uh, when we're younger, we tend to have more little spikes. We have more spikes of testosterone versus as we age, it becomes more of a flat line, which I I meant to mention that earlier when we were talking about microdosing and I didn't. But yeah, we get more of a flat line of test as we age. Uh, taking a long-acting injectable and trying to microdose that is only going to mimic that of an old man. Obviously, a lot higher dose, you know, if you're on TRT. No, but. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I do think that the test gel is the closest you're going to get to, say, a 22-year-old's natural test flow. All right. I got this one, Dave. How do you inject insulin the last few weeks of a prep when you're inside out lean? Um, very carefully. You inject everything very carefully. When you get super lean, let me tell you something. I've had like literal like spider webs on my shoulder and you're trying to figure out like, oh my God, I normally don't see this stuff, but now I have to like dodge. Like there's like a little tiny area that doesn't have a vein because I get, I get super vascular. It's just a little tiny area and I got to try to make sure I get that spot. Um, yeah, very carefully. And for all other peptides, including HCG, I would do them IM, growth hormone, IM. Uh, anything else, HCG, IM. All that stuff I would do, IM. Insulin, on the other hand, you're going to change the speed that it releases. Although, if you're using Humulin R, Humulin R can be IM'd, and it will take on more of the, the rate of Humulog. So there is that. I would do it in the eyeball. Hmm. Mm. No. All right. The jelly the jelly slows it down. The jelly slows it down? Mm, the eyeball jelly. Oh, we had a question about Dave's draw drawings. Uh we'd Drawing? love to see Scott on cycle. 
for the 2023 holiday season. We had a bunch of people because I mentioned something about going on cycle. There was a bunch of people who wanted to see me. Did hop you on the did sauce. you explain explain that you meant a bicycle and not a drug cycle? Yeah, I guess I left that part out. Um, what about this one, Dave? You got a, is it possible to please cover how to recognize and combat prolactin sides in trend cycle in planning to use trend next uh, cycle? Uh, but I have no idea how prolactin sides feel like. So your advice will be highly appreciated. Thanks in advance. Chip, chip, cheerio. Prolactin is, is, a, is a, a, a hormone that a lot of people panic over and, and quite often unnecessarily. Uh, prolactin generally elevates in every cycle. You do to some extent. Um, it's very sensitive to estrogen fluctuation. The only time prolactin becomes particularly impacting is when it's extremely high or if it's backed up from an androlone because you're lowering the dopamine receptor engagement as well. Uh, sidewise, it's very similar to estrogen, but with some subtle differences, particularly around sexual function. Um, you can get low mood, um, which can be a sign of prolactin is going up, particularly through an androlone because it's that dopamine axis that's being affected. Um, you will get things like an erection is attainable, but it's not sustainable. And you'll, you'll get things like once you've climaxed, your recovery time to be able to go again is very much extended. It's one of the reasons well, why KB is used in the porn industry so much, so they can keep, keep spurting. Well, that in, I mean, when we, when a, when a, a, a male reaches that special moment, we'll call it Dave, um, that we, we release prolactin. That's, that's what creates the refractory period. So high prolactin is kind of like having just completed the mission, but like long term, it's just there now, you know. Yeah. So that that, but the point is that, that it, the high prolactin that peaks and then drops, and, and when it's stable, consistently high, your yeah. body's constantly in the thought that well, I've just climaxed and I'm not ready to go again. Yeah. Which is why when you put a dopamine agonist in, it slams prolactin down through the floor, and your body then constantly thinks it's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, um, I found too that if you can control estrogen, that's always been my number one thing, that you're a lot less likely. Like I'm telling you, in in my years of coaching, it's been maybe five guys, tops, that have had prolactin issues even upon, like even with controlling estrogen. That said, we, we're pretty you know conservative with the prolactin-based drugs, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see prolactin elevated in probably 85% of blood tests, irrespective of the compounds they're using. Um, and it will be, say, 50 to 100 points above its upper reference range. How often do you see somebody who's, like, suffering from sides along with that? Well, that's what I was just about to say. Ah. In 99.9% .9 of those cases, the individual has having no sides whatsoever. Okay. And I will only discuss prolactin management if they're declared that they're using anandrolone because I then know it's being supported by that dopamine suppression as well. Yeah. And, and that's the only time. And, and be very respectful of CABA. It is a sledgehammer of a drug. Yeah, it's not something I would add in just just in case, you know, no. just to, as a... There, there was a culture where if you took DECA, you took CABA, uh, and I think that's very wrong, to be honest. Um, Dominic Cusa, local Detroit coach here, good dude. He's got a question for us. Good guy here. Um, smart dude, too. He says, uh, and I don't know enough about this to say because I haven't used a lot of Anadrol, um, do you think using Novadex with Anadrol will help mitigate the estrogen receptor activation that Anadrol has? I don't think the estrogen receptor activation that Anadrol has is even concerning, personally. Oh, people get gyno, though. People people get major activation. I, I can't tell you how to control that because the amounts I've used of Anadrol have always been really conservative. I've never known anyone get gyno off Andrew. Really? Yeah, you mentioned mm -hmm. that before, and like in our YouTube comments, like everybody slammed it. They were like, "That's crazy okay. talk." Yeah. No, fair enough. I say, um, I've never known anyone. Um, huh. 
that's not to say that I don't think Novodix is good to take with uh, Anadrol, because it also Novodix also actually has an action against the progesterone receptor as well. Could Dave, could you figure some stuff out on that one? Maybe look into that one because mm-hmm. I would love to. I would love to hear your thoughts on that after you had looked into it because I think that could be one that a lot of people would benefit from. Um, you know w- why that is. You know what's actually happening there. Mm-hmm. I have put it on my list. All right. Another I'll, I'll great... be honest. It's not. It's not something I've ever looked at because uh, I never had a need to. <laughs> Let's see. I have a question for you guys. Um, Can you please open a debate on high iron serum levels? Not ferritin, because you can find info everywhere about the dangers of high ferritin, but no one is speaking about what if you have high serum iron levels, mid-range ferritin and HCT hemoglobin. um, What does that say to you dave it says you've got high enough high iron blood content but it's not bounding it's not binding mm. so your iron intake or your iron exposure is high uh it's not necessarily a negative unless your body starts to absorb it and if your body isn't absorbing it then ferritin won't elevate all right um see it see iron Upper end of range or just above upper end of range, quite regular with with, with anabolic use. Um, can't say definitively if it's drug related, diet related, or supplementation related, because a lot of stuffs have iron added. Yeah. So sometimes it's just worth going through your subs and seeing what the actual ingredients are, because many of them will have iron listed. It won't be a large amount, but when you've got eight different supplements all with iron in them, it can build up to be quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it's high iron can be a problem, but more so if it's driving ferritin up because you're actually storing it then. Um, if you've got a circulating element in your bloodstream, but it's not actually engaging with anything, then it's going to circulate and it's going to be cleared out. So it's not as concerning. But also, it's level relative as well. I mean, if you're talking a couple of points above upper range, I wouldn't be super concerned. If we're talking 50% above upper range, that's a completely different conversation. You know, that's, that's very toxic levels of iron. Makes your poop turn black as well. Ooh. Dave is the man. I'd just like to go and have a beer with him. I'm in Barnsley. I don't think he's far away. No, I'm not. I'm very close to Barnsley, but they're a bit weird over there. Yeah? <laughs> Dave, the guy's from Barnsley. Quiet. Be cool. Be cool. Um, all right. So this is a repost from last week because we didn't get to it. For a mass gain cycle, does 350 test sip, 350 NPP, and 500 Primo for six, uh, 12 to 16 weeks. Um, so does that sound all right to you? Um, should I change the compounds he's using? And what about PCT for a cycle like this? Um, I've seen two to four week PCTs with HCG and Clomid. He's going to need a full blown PCT if he's going to be running 16 weeks of of MPP. Oh, yeah. Also, he listens to all the shows while driving his forklift at work. So shout out to you. Keep it up. Not Not wanting to bang a drum, but why the fuck is Primo in there? Dave doesn't like so. Dave doesn't it's like not, Primo. No, guys. it's not. I don't like. He's got Primo. something against it now. All it's, right. No. Too right, many of you have been like, using it. Too many of you have been talking about it, and now Dave doesn't like it. Thanks. I, Thanks to I, all I you. I blame all you. Off. Just, it's like turning up for a drag race in an AMC Gremlin. I mean, now, you're gonna get America, some. Our American viewers will actually understand that, but the brakes yeah. won't. You're going to get some estrogen control out of it, right? You are going to be able to push your total MGs up. You know, you're getting more overall compound. Yeah, use, use mass then. Yeah, I like mass better personally. There's that. Right then, so don't even bitch at me, you fucker. <laughs> All right. Let me see if we got anything else here. Um, um, going back to that, I, uh, I would swap. I would. I would personally. You're off mic. I can't hear you. 
I get yelled at because your microphone fluctuates. Because sometimes you're over here when you talk, and sometimes you're over here, and then sometimes you come here. Well, it's, it's to create more effect. You told me I've got to create more effect. Right. Did I? <laughs> Going yeah. back, 350, 350, 400 mass, that's where I would be on that. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that just fine. All right. Trying to get wrapped up here, guys. I, and we, we didn't do a uh, an Uncle Dave's advice, Uncle Dave's wisdom last week. So we have to do that. Let's see what we got here, though. Um, I don't know. What one? Well, somebody asked you a question, so you can talk okay. about that. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. So we had another question here relating to HCG. And I think his, by the way, I think his PCT was fine. You know, I, I would personally, if I wanted to use HCG, I would probably start it during the cycle. And I would continue to run said HCG up into the time I started the Clomid. That's what mm -hmm. I would do personally. And that's a viable approach without that. You know, I'd, I'd figure out how much HCG do I have. And then I'd maybe start like 250 every three days up into the point. Then I would start my PCT two weeks after my last shot of long asters. And then, uh, cause he, he wasn't taking DACA. He was taking MPP. So we're good two weeks. So basically then you would time it up. So your HCG ended right when the PC starts two weeks after your last shot. And that's I'd where I'd probably I'd, over. I'd probably overlap by a week, but it's semantics really at that point. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, could, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like upset if somebody did that, you know? Yeah. Um, another HCG question though. Um, how do you use HCG? I guess I kind of just answered this. We both did. How do you use HCG and how much HCG in the cycle and uh, how to keep your balls alive and make PCT easier? Um, also, is HCG increase, uh, increase aromatization? Um, and then you had another question. I'll, I'll, we'll cover that one first. It, I mean, you are going to convert, you know, you're, you're getting those. And I found people that actually have had issues with gyno. Uh, when they start HCG. In fact, man, I had a nasty estrogen issue. I think it was estrogen related. It was hormone instability. I told you about how I had instable hormone issues. So a few years back, I was getting like, I had a bottle of HCG and it was kicking around and it was already open. And I was like a few weeks away from going somewhere where it was going to be on camera and it was going to be like an in-person thing. And I had this HCG and I was like, you know what? Why don't I just use that up? And I started it up. And once you know what, I got a big old freaking pimple. Didn't have any acne at all for like the whole year. And then the one time I go out in public, I get a big old pimple on my forehead and it's I'm 100% sure it's because I was using that HCG. So, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it aromatizes. Obviously, it's going to be dose-relevant as well. I mean, if you're doing 250, 300 twice a week, the estrogen impact's most likely going to be quite minimal. Yeah. Uh, people can get a bit silly with it. Um, but I would 250 to 300. I've seen people go as high as 500 twice a week and seem all right with that. 250, I'd probably be more on three times a week probably more the Monday, Wednesday, Friday sort of approach. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fine. I wouldn't be super concerned about estrogen, but if you're going to be managing your estrogen for your cycle anyway, you just, you'll just you see where your estrogen is and you'll address that with medication to get it to where you want it to be. So it, it isn't really a concern because it just becomes part of the package of the cycle that you do. Agreed, 100%. And now that I think back to it, I think I was like, you know what, I'm going to use this, but I just want to use it up, so I'll take like a 1,000 each time. You know what I mean? That was it. What else does he have here? Is test probe a good first cycle? Uh, I think probe will be easier to control the E2 sides and can reduce the dose easier, not waiting too long for to clear esters. Uh, I don't mind pinning every other day uh, with insulin pins. I, I would go the opposite personally. I would go the slightly longer ester of or sip. But uh, each to the own, you're going to get much greater fluctuations, as we were talking about earlier with Brock. I mean, I would not want to do every other day or everyday shots with test probe on my very first cycle. That's a lot of logistics to contend with. And when I say logistics, I don't only mean the shots, but I also mean dealing with the pain that you can get the pip from oh, those shots, hate, you know, hate, hate prop for that. I do not get on with prop at all, but that's just me. I'm a fan of it. 
I mean, I know this is really basic information, but when you put a depot-based drug into the muscle and you've never done that before, your body is not going to like that at all. I guarantee you. I mean, it could be a, a probe shot could literally be feeling like you got hit by a bat the night before. Uh, it's not fun. And now mm. you're going to have to continue to rotate, continue to rotate. You can't stop. You got to keep taking these shots or your cycle is going to be over. You know, I think you'd be much better off going with a modest dose of a long acting mm -hmm. test, having an AI on hand and then just checking your estrogen after a few weeks. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think prop's the way to go at all, and I think the actual estrogen management is going to be more difficult with prop. I find estrogen levels much, much higher when prop's in the mix. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Another comment about me going back on cycle. I don't know, guys. I don't know, guys. Comment below. Comment below if you think Scott should go on cycle. Actually, what I think we should do is run a little competition. Design Scott's cycle for him. We'll make him run it. <laughs> oh, God. Who would be a glutton for that punishment? Not me. You know, these guys had had me running like three grams of stuff. They'd be like, well, Chase Irons did it. Let's give, him, let's give that cycle to Scott. Three grams? Is that all? You funny. That's only for the first two weeks. Then we're going to start getting serious. <laughs> uh, how so effective? Scott, yes. I'm going to do what? Two grams of trend. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, how effective is GH? Uh, say you're doing a decent cycle of AAS and adding NGH to make, will it make a notable difference? I, th I find it more subtle. Yeah. More, more long-term. Uh, it's almost to the point where you don't actually sort of realize it's doing anything until you look back or compare photographs or actually stop it and then you realize oh actually i was quite full when i was on that and i was uh, sleeping a bit better and my libido was a bit better and life was just generally a little bit fresher um so yeah i i think it's more subtle i don't think it's a, a sledgehammer thing who's a great candidate for growth hormone i would midgets. say who midgets oh i was gonna say older guys my age dave's age that want Oi, to kind of hey, like, whoa, older, things guys. older guys like myself or real old guys like dave who want to ramp you know ramp their ramp their levels up get like a, a hrt effect from it i'd say that's a great place to be maybe a little bit above that and and guys that are pushing to their absolute limits and for those guys i i think they're going to need to take a, a lot more you know, like during your prep, like Dusty was talking about, eight units a day or whatever, to to really get that volumization on stage. I'm 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 not. I don't like this, Scott. I don't identify as old. No, what do you identify as? Beautiful. Well, we all know you're a beautiful guy, Dave. You're a beautiful. Man. I identify. I identify as a princess. You are a beautiful princess, Dave. I want to be known as Princess David. <laughs> okay. What about this one here? So this was the, uh, ooh, I was going to tell you too. So I, um, just quick note, and then I got this uh, this uh, Dave's Wisdom question, Uncle Dave's Wisdom. Um, I, I spent a bunch of money on a near-infrared light, okay? There is clinical research showing. Sorry, I just wanted to say, what, could you afford a proper one? <laughs> I couldn't afford the infrared, so I got the near-infrared. So here's the deal, is uh, near-infrared is a, um, what do they call it? It, it, it has like a, a lower, it's a lower signal, okay? So like, if you think about it from a music perspective, like high notes so it's, it's don't a low penetrate. Light yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lower frequency. So if you think about, like, if you're driving down the street and there's some guy playing his music loud, you hear the deeper sounds, the bass, you know? It's because the bass that will travel, it's a lower signal, it will travel through solid objects better. So the near-infrared is, at like, this 810 versus infrared is, like, 650 or something. And so it travels deeper. And it's been shown to help people with the long, you know, Whatever you call it, we won't say that word on uh, YouTube. So I, I'm the, hoping to get some benefits out of it, though. That's that's been the game yeah. plan. It's my birthday present to myself. I in just saw sound, 
lower yeah. frequency moves more air pressure, but it's actually quieter from a volume point of view. But in sound, lower frequency moves more air. So bass bins at 35 hertz or less will take windscreens out, but they don't actually sound anywhere near as loud as, say, yeah. the same volume at, say, 90 hertz, which would sound a lot, lot louder, but yeah. wouldn't move anywhere near as much air. I remember back in 1990, <coughs> driving around, 91 or 92, driving around with people from my high school, listening to DJ Magic Mike, uh, playing, uh, playing uh, he had this song called Feel the Bass. You and are was, so white, that is unbelievable. Oh, dude, yeah. And it would have been like in a crappy Escort. Do you remember the Ford Escort? Did you guys have those over there? We had a with, different version, but I am familiar with the American one, yes. And, it's like, the whole the whole hatch is just one big subwoofer speaker. You know what I mean? One big box. Yeah. So this is this is the uh, – so it's uh, red light or infrared light is 660 nanometers, and near-infrared light is 850, and that's a lower frequency. So anyway, I'm looking forward to giving this a try, man. Plus, it's good for arthritis. It's been been proven for arthritis. I'm going to use it on my dog, too, and see if mm. it helps her hips. Now, I've heard about infrared treatment for arthritis before now. Yeah, yeah. So the it's the near-infrared, and I think there's a near-infrared and infrared combo that's even better, and that's what this light has. It has a combo of the two, like half and half. Um, I know the answer to this one already. But Chrome... Me, me. Meet me! Hey! What's going on? Is there a dog over there? Cat. She's scratching on carpet. The dog? A cat? Oh, yeah. your cat. Oh, gotcha. Meepy. Mrs. Meep. A meep. Okay, Mrs. Meep. I thought it was a dog over there. Crohn's Lifter. I know the answer to this one already. Uh, question for Dave. Has Dave had any new drawings or pieces uh, while in recovery? Would love an update on the Uncle Dave segment about his art. Between that and animals, nothing lights up his eyes more. Yeah, he just looked at his cat and his eyes did not light up with pleasure. Let me tell you, that was that was not happiness that he just had in his eyes. I, I haven't drawn for some time. Um, to be honest, I just, I don't know, just don't feel the urge at the moment for some reason. You got too much going but on. I haven't though. That's thing. It's been steady. Yeah. I mean, I'm, all right. Yeah, still 10, 11 hour days, but they don't feel like long days because I'm so used to doing longer. So, um, no, I wouldn't say it has been that busy. To be honest, I just I'm not being very efficient with my time. Hmm. However, I'm going to use this to plug because I have to. I have a very large original elephant painting that is roughly six foot by four and a half feet. Wow. I painted it when I was in prison. Oh, that one. It, it is damaged because it was painted in prison, and unfortunately, they're not the best at looking after your shit. They aren't good at curating art in prison? No. No, they're not. <laughs> it's just not their strong point. But I am, I am having to find it a new home because it is too big. Oh, no kidding. You're going to sell that, huh? Hmm. Dang. Wow. Okay. And it's a painting. Mm -hmm. Really? So you didn't do a lot of paintings. You mostly have worked with drawing, right? Two? Two paintings in my life. Was that the first one? Mm-hmm. Okay. And was that the first thing that got you really into drawing? No, I've been into drawing since I was a kid. Oh, okay. I've, okay. I've left it and come back to it on several occasions. Yeah, I got into back into drawing in prison because it was a way to earn money. Remember you telling me that before, so, but maybe some of our yeah. listeners hadn't heard that story. So guys would bring in a picture of the kid or a picture of the dog. Surprisingly, the amount of guys brought pictures of the pets and not the families. But <laughs> uh, And then they would be like, you know, can you draw this for me? I'd charge a couple of pouches of tobacco. Then I'd use the tobacco to buy shower gel or whatever I wanted and needed. And, and so, yeah, it just became a way to earn a living. Uh, um, and then I started getting into it a bit more seriously. Uh, luckily, when I was in a prison in Scotland called Shots, the art teacher is actually a world-renowned art photographer. Oh, really? But yeah, but it's, it's Ron McDonald, I think his name was. Uh, Ron, wait, Madison. Ron McDonald? Yeah, I know. Like um, Ronald McDonald? Dude, he had Matt been gotten that so many times in his life. I feel sorry for him. I would change my name. 
is uh, I might be wrong, and I'm sure his last name was McDonald. But yeah, Ronald McDonald had someone else. Steve. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure it was. He, he, he was mad as a box of frogs, but he was an absolute genius, an amazing individual. Huh. And and he pushed me a little bit with my art. Okay. Um, I didn't like it. In fact, I hated every second of it. But it made my fine work better. Really? Going away and being very broad and very open. Basically, he gave me a canvas that was six foot by four foot and a paintbrush that was that fucking wide. And said, oh. paint um, And at one point, he even strapped the paintbrush to the end of a stick and made me paint with it like that. Um, and I, I hated every second of it, but it, it taught me a lot. So it helped loosen me up with certain things. So. After the show, send me that. Send me a picture of it, and uh, that way I, I can put it up while we talk about it. Take uh, you know. Uh, I, I yes, I'll have to go get one. I don't have one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That way people know what we're talking about, too, you know, mm. whether whether they're interested in buying it or not. I'm sure it's, everybody would love to see it. It's probably too big for a residential unless you have a particularly large house. It's six by six, you said. Six by four and a half. Roughly. Oh, OK. That's massive. Yeah, That's crazy, too. I see what he did to you because with with Dave's work, I, I think of, you know, what you do. In fact, hold on a second. <clears throat> pull this off the wall. What Dave does is everything is so hypercritically focused on tiny, tiny details that to give you a giant paintbrush would <laughs> completely screw with you yeah, because you wouldn't was, be able did. to have that hyper control that you like having yeah. in your work, yeah, it, you know? It did. It, it, it really did. I hated every second of it. Uh, when I got to the point where I'd got all the foundation colors and shades and shape in place and he let me go to a smaller brush and tighter and tighter, that I, I'd start to enjoy it. But that initial stuff, ugh, horrible. Horrible. What about, uh, uh, um, speaking of things you're doing, Pillars of Strength, are you putting one of those together? Just about to pick a date. So if anybody's oh. interested, they're going to have to grab hold of me quick because we're going to be starting in the next week or two. Okay. Uh, I've got a couple of slots left, but we have got enough to run, so we are going to run. We'll post it up over in the uh, Think Big Facebook group too. You know, we have a lot of our uh, you know hardcore followers that are on Facebook still. It's and Facebook sucks, but the only thing I do is go to the group. You know, but post it up over there. Maybe you'll find somebody else who's interested. Mm -hmm. and catch them in time. Got quite a few Americans this time, so do you really we might might end up doing it on an American time scale this time. Nice. That sounds good. Uh, of course, guys, go to if you want to reach out to either of us for coaching, you can go over to Dave's Instagram. I'll have that in the description. You can also reach out to me, which is also in the description, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Both of us would be happy to help you. And of course, go to our great sponsors, EvalBloodAnalysis.com. You get your lab work done by Dave. In fact, Dave might even be your phlebotomist. How about that? And uh, no. You don't do the full bottom any, you know? Do, do you want the big fat hands coming at you with a needle? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, check out our sponsors. Like I said, truenutrition.com. Um, I just got my latest order. We ordered uh, Victoria a bunch of pea protein isolate. She can't do whey protein. She doesn't like the beef protein. But pea protein isolate is a good, complete protein source. And not only that, it um, it the, because it's an isolate, it has next to no carbs. Most of the pea proteins you get are concentrate. They're full with all sorts of junk and 15 grams of carbs. Um, of course, go and, I, and then we got more collagen, which I use every day. We are also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. They have killer deals that change week to week. And Strom Sports Nutrition. In fact, somebody sent me a link to a Strom product. They have like this, uh, here, let me take a screen capture of it. This looks like it's it's new on the market with Strom, I think. Boom, let's see here, let me pull this up. It has a bunch of stuff for longevity. So I figured I'd uh, give that fundamentum. How about that? Do you know about this one, mm. Dave? No, I don't think that's a Strom. He might oh, be selling it, but I don't oh, think it's Oh, it's on it. Strom. That's what it is. But nonetheless, you can still shop with Strom Sports Nutrition he's, and check this out. No, he, Rick has brought something out that's, I believe, very similar. Uh, I, I saw him advertising something and explaining it the other day. 
Um, and I believe it's a very similar sort of life extension biohack type product. Okay. Um, I think this, I don't know if this is anything coming off the back of the stuff he's going to be doing with Aaron or if it's a completely separate thing. But uh, see, yeah, I did yeah. say it, but I don't know. Yeah, so that I mean, fundamentum, I'm, it's part of when you go to the, like the Strom range of products, it's part of that. So maybe he's creating like a separate line. Yeah, it might be. I, you know what I mean? I, said, I, I yeah. really don't know. But I know he's brought one out. I can't remember what it's called. But I believe it's got Reservatol in it and, and some of it. Resveratrol? Yeah. Okay. Huh. And I think I think he's got uh, NMN in it as well. Okay, so or this one has N NMN. I have a hard time saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that is it. I don't know. But you would think that he would say it was by Strom if it was, right? Regardless, you can get it at the Strom website. It's under the Strom range of products. Um, just If we've got two seconds, just bear with me. Oh, fuck's sake. Go if away, people are watching this long, they want to keep watching. So they'll they'll continue to hang with us. In fact, we have a couple people left on the live stream. Usually people bail once they know that everything is uh, is ending. We still have some people with us here. We had some of the questions we didn't get to from the live stream. Sorry about that. No, it's not there. Right. He, he, was, he was advertised the other day, so I'm just going to go on his IG and, and see if I can... Uh... Dave's finally on his microphone. The show ends, and he's, like, talking into the mic for once. Levagen. Okay. No, no, that might be something else, then. <laughs> Well, that might be something else completely. Uh, what's that one? Yeah, that might be something else completely different, mate. Uh, okay. Well, this one's under that that the the heading of strong products. Yeah. So, no, he's he's. No, I believe it is a. Yeah, I believe it is a strong product. There you go. Oh no! It, hang on. No. Uh, I don't know. So his his post just says very very excited to see the Vita Eterna supplement range grow, but it also puts that it's been such a labour of love. So maybe he's got a hand in it. Maybe that's where it's come about. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it is this this Vita company. So I'm guessing that's it. Anyway. Guys, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, hanging out with Dave and I. Oh, Dave, you got your cast off. Yeah, they chopped my leg off. They just took the whole leg off. Yeah, yeah, they chopped my leg off. So I'm, I'm having a blade fit in, in a couple of months. So does it, uh, I mean, in all honesty, you got the cast off today. Uh, how does it feel to finally have that cast off? And, and do you well, see difference? Like, is your leg smaller on that side now? Well, quite a lot because I've got nothing below the knee. So it's much, much lighter. For real, come on. Uh, actually, no, it's still swollen. It's still quite painful. So actually, my uh, ankle's twice the size of the other one. Uh, and there's surprisingly very little loss in my calf, but my calf is so tight. Yeah. Oh, dude, you haven't moved it in a month or I, whatever. Seven weeks. I can seven hardly move my foot. Um, but I've got a bit of an arthritic, arthritic thing going on at the moment as well. So it's sort of complicated a little bit. But yes, it is off and it feels so good. I bet, man. You can finally so get a good, good scratch. <laughs> All right, so guys. Good. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Dave. Bye.